Hello and welcome to the Sparks in Action podcast. This is Donna Sherman, your host. Thank you for tuning in. My guest today is a wonderful human being and I'm delighted to have her on the podcast. Her name is Lisa Glick. She is a retired musical educator, a singer, a musician, a dancer, an ultra runner, athlete, outdoor enthusiast, and a lover of life. And that last part is a very important piece and it's essential to why I invited her on this podcast. There's a lot Lisa and I can talk about, but when we talked about her being a guest on the podcast, I asked Lisa if she would be comfortable speaking about her history and experience and long life, adult uh, lifetime experience of living and thriving with bipolar disorder. And when I say thriving, um, I mean thriving. This is a person who lives fully, lives with an enormous amount of um, joy and service, and she is indeed a spark in action. So I welcome you, Lisa, to the Sparks in Action podcast. Hi, Donna. Hi, listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Donna. And so listeners, you know, Donna and I are friends in real life, so it's going to be very difficult for us to um, keep this to, you know, 20-something minutes. But Donna and I have known each other a while, and I'm very, very open about my bipolar disorder. I have not always been open because I used to be a public school music teacher and I taught thousands of children every year. And it's not that I was embarrassed or ashamed, but I needed to be careful who I shared that information with because, you know, I'm in the public school system. I didn't want a parent saying, oh, you yelled at my kid because you're bipolar. But now that I am retired from my job, um, I feel compelled to share my story because I feel like my story can maybe help help others. And while I was teaching, I wasn't secretive about my bipolar. I did share, obviously, with my good friends. So um, I have bipolar too, which is like, it's not the rapid cycling. It's you have a little bit of mania. You might have that for a while. Mania meaning you're up, you talk fast, you want to do everything, you're in a rush, you don't need a lot of sleep. And then the flip side of that is you come down and you're in a deep, deep, horrible, dark, dark depression where your body feels numb and everything in the world uh, seems gray. There's no color. It's, it's kind of like when you have the flu, but it's, it's just, it's very um, painful. And I did not get diagnosed until I was 32. And there's a long story leading up to my diagnosis. I was misdiagnosed because I just had a child. And once I got diagnosed, I thought, um, ah, ah, so this is what's been going on because my whole life, I'm a musician, I'm creative, I'm a bubbly personality. I was up, I was down, I was up, I was down. I thought this is just how I was. And then as I um, got more mature, you know, in my twenties, the up and down got more severe. I was always able to function, but it, things came to a crashing halt after I had, my daughter was about a year old and I, basically had a nervous collapse. And um, that was sort of like a gift because once that happened, long journey, 
you know, with different kinds of doctors, different kinds of treatment, finally got diagnosed. And um, it's still a journey, you know? Nobody's perfect. I am, I like to say I'm in remission because I'm good. Like I'm really good, but I need to be vigilant. I need to be vigilant about my wellness. It's not like, oh, I'm good, I'm done. I'm always looking for new tools. I'm always thinking of new ways to think about life. And um, I'm always just trying to improve and live my life to the best of my ability. So that's about where I'm at now. Yeah. And, and, and the best of your ability. And I, I just circling back for a minute, the thing about being so open about this, I know you were on another podcast before where you've spoken about this, is that you're putting yourself in a position where you're willing to be misunderstood. You're willing to even be judged. And you're willing to even, not that you want that, but by some people who might put you in a box, who might just assume that is her bipolar talking, that is not, and, and give, it, give you less credence. And I wanna say that one of the things that I've witnessed about you and admire about you is you are willing to stand in your truth, be who you are with all your amazing gifts. And we'll get to the sparks in action and how you are an embodiment of service in action, doing what you love. We'll get there in a moment, but that you are willing to take some hits along the way. And as your friend, I have witnessed that you have taken some hits. People haven't understood you or think they understand you. Um, so I'm just wondering if you can, because I think this is so essential to any work, any service we do in the world, uh, being willing to stand in your truth. And I wonder if you can say something about how you got to the place you are now where you're so transparent and honest. That, that's a fabulous point, Donna, and thank you for um, calling attention to that, because I've been thinking about that quite a bit, especially, you know, this year with the COVID and all the things going on. And um, so, I, so this is what I think. I think you need to be authentic, especially when you have a depressive illness. If I'm not authentic, that will, that will do me in. That will crush me. If I internalize things, that can lead me into a depressive episode. So it's really important for me. Now I'm speaking for me. I'm not a medical professional. I just know from my own life. For me, I need to be true to who I am or I can't be, have joy. I can't contribute. I can't, I can't be in this world. So I, I, I always say this. <laughs> I have two speeds full or zero, I'm either moving or I'm sleeping. And I'm also, people love me or they hate me. There's nobody that's, well, she's okay. I'm like one of those ta-da kind of people. And I'm okay with that because I'm not gonna change who I am. I just wanted people to, to grok what you said. What she said is I'm one of those ta-da kind of people. Ta-da. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Ta-da. So, um, and I'm not like, well, if you don't like me, go away. I, I'm willing to compromise, but I can't change who I am. And so I'm not, okay. So it's not like, hi, I'm Lisa, I'm bipolar. It's not when I meet people, I do that. I'm like, hi, I'm Lisa, I'm a runner, I'm a singer, blah, blah, blah. And then once I get to know someone, it always comes up. Like I'm bipolar, like I have a kid. I'm on my second marriage. I used to live in New York, now I live in Arizona. It just comes up because it's part of who I am. So I think as I've gotten older, as most people know, especially women, you, you find that you're, you can stand in your truth without being afraid of what others think. And 
not everyone's going to like me. And you know what? I'm okay with that. You know, I was a teacher. That was like one of the hardest lessons of teaching. It's like, guess what? Not every student and every parent's going to like you, but that's okay because there's plenty of people that will. And some people might be angry at me at first. And then years later, they'll say, oh, Lisa, Lisa, I remember when you talked about that. And now I have a family member who's going through something similar or so there's, it's sort of like cancer. Everybody knows someone who has somebody in their circle that has some kind of mental disorder. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because I was want, wanted to ask you, I want to get into like the sparks piece of it in terms of how much service you do and how much giving you do. Um, but I also wanted to ask you about, you know, just the stigma thing, because on the one hand, you know, you're free, you're very free using the, the uttering the words mental illness. But on the other hand, the fact is that your brain works differently. You know, so I, yeah, it really works differently. As you know, I was a mental health professional, worked in the mental health field for a long time. And um, when clients would start to understand with like chronic anxiety, depression, OCD, whatever, that they weren't there um diagnosis they were a full spectrum human being and they just worked differently you know their biochemistry their physiology there so i wonder if um you want to say anything about that and and maybe uh the the medication you do take not that not that we're giving any medical advice folks disclaimer we are not but um how what it does for you like I, right i think you is it lithium yes yeah. okay so so thank you for bringing that up because um i i do agree the term it commonly uses mental illness but i have a chemical imbalance right my neurons work differently when i was teaching i had kids you know that were autistic on the spectrum i had kids that learned disabled they're great people they're great humans, their brains just work differently. So yes, yeah, so I did take lithium for many, many, many years. I think about 20 years. And lithium, it saved my life. There's, there's no question about it. If I wasn't on lithium, I don't know where I'd be now. Lithium gave me my life back. But as I progressed with, I had a lot of therapy, and then I added tools into my life, you know, like running and singing and good nutrition. Um, as my tools uh, toolbox became bigger and my, um, my mindset became stronger. I was able to wean off the lithium under my doctor's supervision. And now I don't take, I don't take any medication. I do, I take Synthroid. I take a thyroid medication because the lithium did mess up my thyroid. Oh well, oh well, it's a compromise. And um, I also use nutrition as one of my tools. You know, I eat keto, I eat um, high fat, low carb. I don't eat any sugar. I don't drink any alcohol and I, I use movement. <laughs> I'm, I'm always moving in the outdoors and sun. So I am not on lithium at this point. If I needed to go on it, I have no problem because you know, better living through chemistry and why should I suffer? So um, I was on it for many years and it, it saved my life. There's no question about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to just get to one more thing, which is if you want to talk a little bit about access to resources, I know you have very strong feelings where you want to help others. You're very devoted to helping others get the resources they need. Is there anything you want to say about that? Yes. So I'm fortunate in that 
I was a public school music teacher and I had great insurance. I'm also an educated person. I have a master's degree. I have a lot of friends around me that are in that kind of frame of mind. Um, and it concerns me greatly that if I did not have good insurance, I don't know if I would have gotten better. And that really, really concerns me because, because health is, it's your whole body. It's like, you know, we have dental health and we have your brain health. And it really bothers me and concerns me that um, when you go to the doctor, it depends on your doctor, but they don't always say like, how are you feeling? Are you stressed? Are you anxious? And so even if you don't have insurance and even if you don't have um, people around you to support you, there are plenty of free resources. You need to look for them a little harder, but I really think that everybody should have access to mental health as well as physical health and that it shouldn't be this like thing. It should just be like part of everything, you know, like it's part of your overall health. Okay, and are there any particular places you would want to send people that I could put in the program notes? For well, it depends. It depends where you live. You know, I'm in Arizona now, and, and I was very, very pleased when I went um, to a new primary care. They, they give you a whole questionnaire. It's like, how are you feeling? Are you stressed? Do you feel safe at home? Do you have enough access to food? Like, uh, that was very impressive. So I think out where I live, they're, they're a little more aware of it. It, it depends where you live. But I'm sure. I'm sure depending on your geography, there's plenty of, like in, in Ulster County, there's Ulster County mental health, I'm sure, whatever your geography is. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I'll put up, I'll look for something in the program notes about like sort of the national bipolar. Oh yeah, there's a National Alliance for Mental Health. Yeah, there's things yeah, like that. Or something, so that would, that would be good for people. And if you don't have a computer, local library, I mean, like there's plenty of places to find stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's spark. Let's talk about our sparks, Donna. Yeah. So, um, so you know, the podcast is all about doing. I'm 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 devoted to this podcast and created this podcast because it's all about uh, people doing what they love with great love, and in doing so, contributing to our overall well-being. And you have you have done and you continue to do a lot of service your work in the nursing homes and other places so i just want to give an, people an opportunity to hear from you how you love to serve and how you take your beautiful tada personality <laughs> and all your leasingness and bring it out there in the world yeah so i've been thinking about this a lot also i I started community service when I was in middle school. I, I was like a candy striper. Does anybody remember what that is? My mother used to drive me to the local hospital and I would like pour water for the patient. So I always had this desire to help others. And um, so I just want to preface this with, you know, I'm a singer and I'm a musician. And when I was a kid, I always had aspirations of being like a star on Broadway. And I didn't know at the time that I was bipolar, but I knew that I couldn't handle a life of up, auditioning, getting the show and down. So I ended up, and this was not a settling, this was a fabulous chosen choice. I became a public school music teacher. And I think, because I wanted to serve, I like giving back, I like having impact. So I was a teacher, while I was teaching, I did a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff with my students. You know, I taught 
chorus. So I would drag my kids, you know, we would sing at the Memorial Day Parade. We would go to nursing homes. We would sing. I had a little after school club and we would um, practice once a week and go forth to nursing homes and we would sing at um, the children's ward of the hospital. My grandmother was in a nursing home. I went to visit her. I started playing the piano and singing to grandma. And the next thing I knew, I was helping with the choir at the nursing home. So it's always been very, very important to me to give back for there's several reasons. The first step, to be honest, it makes me feel good. Like when I help other people, it makes me really happy. The other thing is it gets me outside of my own head. So like when, when I'm feeling sad, if I do anything for someone else, it doesn't matter, even if it's a little thing like donating clothes to like a Dropbox, or I just like made a donation to the food bank. If I'm feeling down and I'm able to contribute in any minor, tiny way, all of a sudden, I feel like this joy in my heart. So it's not like, oh, aren't I wonderful? Aren't I wonderful? I'm always giving back. It's it just, there's something about that energy, Johnny, you understand. It's like you put that energy out there and it just comes back to you. So I always, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say beautiful reciprocal energy and we all need it. We're wired for it. We're set up for it and we need it. And it's, it's, we're feeding each other light all the time without even having to stop and think about it. Yeah. And I was thinking about this. I was talking to another woman on another podcast about this, about um, contributing. And so, so there's different ways of contributing. Like this, this joke in my house was I don't bake. So I sing. So like, you know, like, you know, I don't bake cupcakes for the, like, for the sale, but I'll go and sing and bring my guitar and, or bring my kids to sing. That's my contributing. I, I don't bake. So I sing, but I, like we said, I'm a very ta-da kind of person, but maybe you don't do contribute in a big way. Maybe you just donate your clothes to, to a local something, or maybe you go and pick up paper on the street, or maybe you help your neighbor. Like anytime you're helping another human, even if it's a tiny little drop, like a little spark, Donna, right? It's something. Like we just bought a whole cow because we went um, carnivore and we had like way too much meat, like really. And so I had this woman in my running club and I know they're struggling. You know, they have like, because of COVID, they were out of work for a while. And so I messaged her and I didn't want her to think it was like a charity thing. I was like, hey, I got way too much meat. I can't fit it in my freezer. Would you like some? And she was thrilled. So yesterday we brought her two bags of meat. It's like, just that, I was like, oh, I got to help someone, you know? And I just fell and I broke my arm. And so I'm done. I gave away my bikes. So I donated my bikes. And I'm like, bad thing happened, broke my arm. Good thing happened, donated the bikes. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's it. That's it. I mean, uh, so, yeah, I mean... So I, I just want to give you a last opportunity before we sign off. If there's anything you want to say to our listeners, is there anything in your heart that you feel uh, you want to share and put out there for anybody who might be listening? And this, it can be related to uh, your experience with bipolar or not. Yeah, so I think... I, I guess because of my illness and my recovery, I have, I have so much gratitude. It's like when you've had a debilitating illness or a horrible traumatic experience in your life and then you get better, like 
everything is so much better. So I will never, ever, 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 ever take anything for granted. Like I was just doing laundry and I brought the laundry out of the dryer and I thought, oh, I'm so lucky. Like I have a dryer and the laundry's warm. So I really try and live with gratitude. And I have so much gratitude that I just, just want to share it. And maybe that's not for everyone. You know, maybe self-care for people is just taking care of themselves. And by taking care of yourself and not getting sick, you're contributing, like you're helping. Like during COVID, I made sure I didn't get sick. So that was my contribution. But now that that's ending, I start a new job next week. I'm going to be doing music at a senior living place. But so the point is, everybody should do things that work for them. Like you don't have to go out and put on a show. You can just do things that work for your life that help, that help you stay happy. Beautiful, beautiful. So on that note, we're going to close, but I do want listeners to know that Lisa has a podcast called Bending the Trail. And she is, it's a really interesting podcast because she interviews people about choices they make in their life, daring to live a little differently, daring to move off one path and onto another, daring to move into the realm of the unknown. So Bending the Trail podcast, you should check it out. And Lisa, I want to thank you so much for bringing, being here, bringing your ta-da <laughs> to here, but also your really soulful and heartfelt and thoughtful um, mind and your very large, generous heart and your beautiful creative energy. So thank you for being the spark that you are. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for having me. And thank you for doing this podcast. I've been listening to your other episodes and... Um, I just think there's so many great things happening with this and I think it's a great contribution. Thank you, thank you so much.